What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Hey everybody, welcome to Movie Crush, Friday interview edition. Uh, this is Chuck in New York City at CDM Sound Studios, our, our studio partner here in New York, who always treats us so well at 630 9th Avenue. They're the best. I'm just go knock on their door and say hi. Um, I'm just kidding, don't do that because uh, it's up on the 8th floor and that would take a long time and they'd say, who are you anyway? So uh, I had Peter McNerney in here, everyone. Peter is uh, an old friend who was on the Stuff You Should Know TV show. Uh, Peter was one of those guys that we cast out of New York. And once he got to Atlanta and started in and we were rehearsing and stuff, I, I uh, turned to our director, Chad, who uh, Chad uh, was a guest for Chinatown, and said, dude, this guy's great. Like, we need to rewrite a lot of these scripts to feature him more. And so we did. And Peter was is very, very talented, very, very funny, and a good dude, and one of my old pals. We had a lot of fun getting to know each other on this Stuff You Should Know TV show, which, by the way, you can watch on Amazon Prime if you want. And um, he, uh, well, actually, Peter's wife, Beth uh, Newell, from Reductress, was already on the show. So Beth does uh, co-founded Reductress.com, and now they have, like, a podcast and a, called The Reductress Minute, and I believe they're working on a TV show. So things are blowing up in the Reductress wor- world, which is great because it's such good, funny content and uh, a message of empowerment for women, and it's all great. And I had Beth on to talk about Bridget Jones' Diary, if you remember, and uh, Beth is wonderful, and uh, they're just one of my favorite couples. 
And so they have a, uh, a parenting podcast on our network called We Knows Parenting. So I'm officially, I know I've talked about it before, but I'm, I'm giving the official recommendation to parents out there to listen to We Knows Parenting. It's very funny. And it's just two funny, busy, busy parents who talk about the challenges very openly and honestly about the challenges of raising a couple of couple of monsters, which is how it is when your kids are, uh, you know, two and a half, three years old and like four, uh, as Bryn and Maven are. It is tough, people. And they are candid and honest and open about marriage and life and love and being parents. It's a lot of fun. So check out We Knows Parenting. And uh, got Peter in the studio to talk about Hedwig and the Angry Inch, one of my faves from back in the day. I was really, really excited to talk about this movie and uh, get to watch it again. It was a lot of fun. So uh, here we go with Peter McNerney on Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Do you take the train in? I do. Metro North. How long is that? The ride itself is like 45 at most. Uh, there's express that are quicker, but then I walk 15 minutes to that train. And then story you just did is little finger walk across the table. That this is very just cute. Wanted, in case you don't know how I walk, <laughs> one foot at a time. And then story pirates is four blocks from here, right? And the magnet where I also teach is 15 minute walk. So I, it's like an hour and a half. Four blocks from here, uh, where story, we are. Story pirates is yeah. Oh, cool. And uh, it's convenient. Magnets over Koreatown. Uh huh. So I never get on the subway. And it's great. Oh, that's good. So it's a very pleasant commute. I've got my plug and my computer and no one's around. Yeah, so you just do your train mm-hmm. and then some walking. And a lot of walking. Mm-hmm. And then I can justify not going to the gym. Right. <laughs> you look good, though. Thank you. It's been a while. I uh, went to the dentist and they took my blood pressure. I had uh, oh, they the, do that at the dentist? Apparently, they just started. Huh. She's like, I'm legitimately <laughs> scared by what this says. You should go to the doctor. And I was like, <gasps> really? And then like, I bought all... Instead of going to the doctor, I bought all the technology. <laughs> I got a, a Wi-Fi scale and a blood pressure monitor. Oh, wow. And now I'm, I'm good. Lost 20 pounds. My blood pressure is good. Really? The dentist scared me, but I still haven't been to the doctor. So the dentist scared you mm-hmm. into losing 20 pounds. It was more like a, embarrassed in front of a stranger. And I was like, I better lose 20 pounds so the next time I come back to the dentist, they'll be impressed with me. Right. Normally, that's how they get you about to floss. Four months from now, <laughs> it's this. It's November. Oh, okay. Is my uh, appointment, so I'm going to strut in there. Just take skinny. your shirt off and walk in, strut You're in. Like, notice anything different? <laughs> and it's just the dental hygienist, and she probably won't even be there. Yeah, she'll. You say notice anything different? And she's like, Yeah, your third incisor has uh, <laughs> looks like it's going. <laughs> exactly. Also, we've never met. I'm new. <laughs> Uh, I've been enjoying the show lately mm-hmm. because mainly because it's funny, good, and because it makes me feel better <laughs> as a parent. <laughs> this has become a common thread. Yeah, I don't know what I expected getting into this because uh-huh. this show was, you know, you ran into Beth and this whole thing happened far away from me. Right, she's like, I pitched this idea, parenting podcast, and I was like, a what? <laughs> <clears throat> She's and I was and I was like, okay, I guess never would have been the thing that I would have chosen to do. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, just it's so funny because right now, you know, I do uh, Story Pirates podcast right. and and We Know's parenting is like parenting and essentially children's theater. You're yeah, you're and those <laughs> categories like I scoff at. I'm like children's theater is garbage, right? And like parenting advice, you know, blow me. W- what do you know? <laughs> yeah, and here I am. 
doing both. But everyone's reaction, like reaction to the it, they're like, oh, it's so nice to know that we're not the only disasters out mm -hmm. there. I'm like, well, okay. We're certainly not pretending to be experts. Um, but I didn't know what the show would be. You know, we yeah. just started doing it. And that's what it turned into is just like the honesty of it. Mm -hmm. uh, we it's don't, great. We don't feel like, like we're bearing our souls. We're just talking to each other. Yeah. And a lot of people have connected with like, thank God you also don't know. Right. And that's been great because it doesn't require very much work for me. Right. You just talk about yeah. real life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's nice because, um, well, Emily and I are really busy, so we identify because mm -hmm. she has her business. Yeah. I have my crazy life. Yeah. And we have just one kid. Mm -hmm. You know, Ruby's turned three in July. That's good. You're getting into the, the fun zone. Fun and also awful. Yeah. Like, she's she's great, but we're at that point now where she uh, she just fights us. Oh, yeah. About everything. It means that she's... Like 15 fights a day. She's uh, developing a healthy independence. Yeah. Which I try to remember. Yeah. But, you know. But you can't when you need to just get these shoes on. Yes. So we can get in the car. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly where we're at. Yeah. But also a ton of fun, as you mm -hmm. know. Yeah. But um, it is nice to hear a show, like, talk in the terms that, like, <laughs> some people would be, uh, like, when I hear you guys say things like, oh, God, that means we can... We can drop, we can get rid of Bryn for two nights. <laughs> Fucking A, that's so, oh, yeah. what a relief. We can, we can ditch them and like use that terminology oh, yeah. that just sounds like you're bad parents. And I'm like, no, that's, it's called survival. We're confidently selfish. Yeah. Same here. We love our kids, but we love ourselves too. Same here. And I think that's healthy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you don't, you don't, uh, I think if you, if you dive into parenting thinking that like I got it, there's a right way to do it. And right. If I if I screw this up, then I'm going to screw up my kid. Mm -hmm. Then you're parenting from a place of you cannot fail. And when right. you do anything with a mode of failure is not an option, mm -hmm. then you're stopping yourself from learning. Yes. I mean, I, I I'm very I much fail a every person. day. <laughs> exactly. I'm a person that very much like. I learn by doing. Like, I start doing a thing before I have any idea what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And then I realize, like, oh, this is dumb and wrong. Right. I'll know next time. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, actually, Beth is the complete opposite. Uh -huh. She'll sit back, take every bit of information in. Right. You think she's not listening, but she hears everything. And then you go away and come back, and she's completely, you know, redesigned the whole apartment in a brilliant way that right. you didn't even know she was going to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh and that's the other big part of the show that is it's become about is just like our relationship, uh -huh. which was not the intention. But boy, like last night we recorded an episode. Uh -huh. so we're releasing one today because that's how organized we are. Yeah, we have to do it the night before. Uh -huh. And like, if we're not in a great mood, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. we have to. Uh -huh. That's it. And we got into this episode and like, we're just annoying the hell out of each other. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. <laughs> but <laughs> those are my favorites. But well, it's going to be a little a disappointing because at the end, uh -huh. also we stopped and came back and I totally screwed up the recording and only recorded half of it. Yeah. So I, she had like gone to sleep and I like opened the door. I'm like, do I wake her up <laughs> and say, Hey, this thing we, you wanted to do two days ago, we have to do again. Right. And I chose not to wake her up. That's probably the good move. And so this episode, this week, 
is just a solo ending of me alone debating whether I should wake her up. Oh, that's fun. And then recreating the conversation we had. Right. Uh, and it's a mess. Yeah. Um, but that's sort of the theme of the podcast. Yeah, I can tell when you, and it hasn't happened much, but I can tell when you guys are legit annoyed with each other <laughs> and have to record. I was telling Emily the other day, I yeah. was like, Peter and Beth were kind of in a legit fight today during the recording, which, which mainly means Beth's annoyed with you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's justified, but... Uh, well, no, it's, it's always justified. It's <laughs> It's been great. Honestly, it's therapy for us. Yeah. Because we have to have that fight, but we know people are listening. Uh-huh. So we can't throw out no, yeah. hyperbolic statements, uh-huh. which are undefendable. I you can always tell fight, you're on your best fight behavior. No. <laughs> you can't be like, you always do this. Yeah. Because that's never a true statement. Yeah. And no one will ever be like, you're right, I always do that. And that's the shit that escalates fights. Yes. And um, it's so funny, man. And I'm always telling Emily, too, like, uh, I'm, I listen to them all. I'm a big fan. Um, Thank you. I say, uh, oh, my God, I am so Peter and you are so Beth. <laughs> like, it's just like, I don't know if it's a man-woman thing, but every time, like, I hear you guys... Like the things that she gets annoyed with you about are mm-hmm. almost the exact same things that Emily gets annoyed with me. There about. are common threads. <laughs> yeah. No, everyone's different, but <laughs> patterns do exist. Uh, but it's been and you guys good. play off each other well too, because you're you're you and you're up and you're loud and and Beth is very just you know she thinks well I don't know how she is in IRL. But she comes across as just very, just that she has that great soothing voice. That's her. I mean, in real life, she talks less. And in real life, maybe I talk more. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, there was this whole episode where I was gone for a uh, yeah. week. And she Beth recorded. hijacks the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody wrote one. in and saying very nicely, that, like, yeah. hey, Peter, you know, you sort of talk over your wife. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know. That's been my problem forever. And she's like, oh, I'm going to do an episode where he's not here and I talk about this. Right. And I came home and heard it uh-huh. and had to just spend 20 minutes uh, taking the note. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. It's fun, though. Mm. And I was going to ask about the kids, but I feel like I know Yeah, by listening. But everyone seems to be doing pretty great. Everyone's pr- now. Now's a good time. Like Maven's two and a half. Mm hmm. She's coming like they enjoy each other. They yeah. fight about everything and they don't know what they're fighting about. But then but now we can just turn whatever the fight is into a bit. Right. And they make each other laugh. Yeah. It's usually about poop or farts. Right. And that's the big theme right now. Yeah. I can't imagine managing more than one even. And it's so selfish to to make a, an only child. <laughs> uh, but it's just, you know, we started late. We're yeah. old parents. We just, there's no way. Well, you just do what we did, which is plan none of it. Right. And uh, find out you have two kids right in a row. And then really start to realize that birth control is the thing you should. Right. Invest be, in. Be more careful about. <laughs> well, uh, we're old parents and Ruby is a, is a great and has always been a great sleeper. Mm-hmm. Um, from... I mean, she was waking up once to feed yeah. when she was a baby baby and yeah. then would go right back to sleep. And then from, I feel like nine or 10 months, she was sleeping t- yeah. 10 to 12 hours straight yeah. and without exception. It's uh, amazing. So I don't want to risk yeah. like, because our life could be thrown into chaos. It's <laughs> like we did it perfect. With a bad kit. No, we didn't do anything. It was just yeah. you know how that goes. It's just yeah. dumb luck. We did no sleep training. They she are just sleeps hard. They are who they are. Yeah. Like you look back on it 
and you see videos of Bryn when he was a few months old. Mm -hmm. You're like, this kid was always this kid. <clears throat> yeah. He always sp sp spoke in complete sentences mm -hmm. when he didn't have, know any actual words. Right. He was like, <laughs> and he just copies sort of the mannerisms of things. Uh -huh. And Maven, when she started speaking, it was only with real words. And yes. Yeah. And, and you just see them and like the wheels turning in their head as babies. Yeah. And they want attention the same way. Uh -huh. They communicate the same way. Like the earliest signs of it, I'm like, oh yeah, the way they are now is all just born out of that. Mm -hmm. So I've become, you know, nature nurture obviously is both those things. Yeah. But uh, the longer I, this happens, this goes, the longer this goes. Right. <laughs> my life. <laughs> Realize that like, I don't think I had anything to do with this other than the the blueprints. Yeah. I think it's, I feel like it's almost like uh, the, when you take kids bowling and they have those little rails that pop up. <laughs> like, yes. We're the rails and then just they're the ball just sort of bouncing along the lane. I want to amend that metaphor. Okay. It's like, uh, <laughs> uh, they're the ball and like, we're the bowler uh -huh. and we think you know like all i gotta do is get this ball to the end of the of the of the alley and you throw that ball mm -hmm. and there's bumpers up and the ball gets to the end because of course it's going to right and you feel like i did that right i was great and at the end like i don't need a strike mm -hmm. i just need the ball to not grow up to be an asshole that's right just don't miss <laughs> all the pins yeah Let's get some of them. Get as many as you feel like. This metaphor <laughs> is flawless. <laughs> I think it's pretty great. And I think if Emily and Beth were here, they would say, no, actually, this is yeah. This well, is more apt. If Beth were here, she would just be looking at me saying, you've been talking this whole time. <laughs> That's where she sat. We sat in this very room. Oh. For uh, Bridget Jones' diary. Oh, boy. Thank you for that. This I don't a, know why I'm thanking you for that. <laughs> you're very welcome. Because I take credit for things my wife does all the time. I'm sure you encouraged her to pick that. It's well, she that's the surprising thing about her is that I always thought of her as sort of this like tough, cool, confident, smart uh uh woman, uh like a strong feminist. Yeah. But boy, she loves a chick flick. Uh huh. And like that shouldn't be a surprise. That's great. Yeah. But like those like It I, surprised me a little bit. She's a secret romantic, you know, yeah. softy. And that's great. And she doesn't let people see it. That's good. And rarely me. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're not, she's not big into public vulnerability. Yeah, Emily's the same goddamn way, dude. Like, you would think, mm -hmm. I mean, she'll she'll say the word mansplain to me eight times in a day <laughs> and then curl up and watch Clueless for the 80th time. <laughs> I'm not sure what the correlation there is, but it, there's something there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why we find these people. <laughs> yeah. Because they, they, they are what we lack. Yes. It's that thing that I think, at least for me, drew me to Beth as like, oh, early on, selfishly, I was like, this is great. I'm just dating this, this woman who like takes care of herself. Yeah. Like, she doesn't need to be babied. She yeah. She doesn't need to be validated. Same with Emily. And then over time, I'm like, let me baby you. <laughs> yeah, I <know>. Because I <laughs> need you to baby me. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's so odd, isn't it? Yeah. Coupling and the mm -hmm. whole thing. Mm -hmm. Such a crazy, weird experience. Yeah. What we humans do. Flying in the face of of evolution. Yeah. You know? Or, I mean, <laughs> or evolution knowing exactly what it's doing. Right. I don't know. Although I like to pretend that I do. Yeah. Which is why Beth is great. Because ooh, that was a loud pour. <laughs> <laughs> <Just> get, ready? <sighs> 
Um, Everyone has to pee now. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I'll be right back. Um, the, the, now I don't know what I was talking about. Uh, coupling, evolution. Mm, oh, well, I don't, I don't know. I still don't know. Well, let's, let's backtrack then and talk about your growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, Minnesota? I grew up in sort of half and half in the suburbs of Chicago and Minneapolis. Okay. So my whole extended family, all my grandparents were from Winneka, Illinois. Uh-huh. And uh, that's where my parents knew each other growing up. And uh, and that's where I was born. A lot, no, I was born in England, actually. What? My parents moved all over. And we have four boys in the family. So my brother was born in Chicago. Then they moved to England, to Israel, where my other brother was born. Wow. Singapore, back to England, where I was born. Then back to Chicago, where my other brother was born. How long were you in England? Five months. Wow. But the accent sure. definitely hung <laughs> around. <laughs> and I have the passport, which I've never used. Oh, do you really, do you, are you, if you're born in England, do you have some sort of right, uh, Yeah, right they of changed the rules like three months after I was born. But I am a British citizen. No shit. And I'm trying to figure out how to use that to my advantage. Well, pop of the morning to you. Yeah, being allowed to do that. <laughs> that was, I'd do an actually decent accent. I, I tried to make that <laughs> No, no, that's on possible. record. Okay. <laughs> that's your accent. That was purposely bad. Uh, and then yeah, and I grew up outside of Chicago until uh, I was 10. Mm-hmm. I moved to Minneapolis, and that's where I went to high school. Minneapolis is actually a cool city. Oh, and yeah. It's one of the cities where people say, actually. Actually, it's not uh, <laughs> a shithole like you thought it was. Yeah, Josh and I have done a couple of shows there, and both times, like, just awesome Oh yeah, audience and, like, rabid for art and culture. It's the most theater per capita city in the country. Yeah. I heard once, and I didn't check to see if it was true. I think I've heard that, too. And it yeah. was just one of those cities that this happens, you know, because we're—, we're uh, we try to go around and do different places every year and mm-hmm. a lot of places I'd never been. And it was just one of those cities that surprised me of like mm-hmm. how vital and kind of fun and cool it was. Oh yeah. The arts are amazing. And I went to high school right next to the Walker art museum and the Guthrie uh-huh. theater, old space. Uh, and there was just a lot of that. stuff. I mean, I went to a small private high school where I got to sort of do everything. Uh-huh. You, know, you go to a big high school, like my, my, my brothers did. Uh, my older brother did. And, you know, you sort of like pick your thing. Yeah. And like, that's your deal. You're in the band and that's right. what you do. And you don't have time to be in sports or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I was like a hundred kids in my class. Like I was a decent student, but really it was everything else. Yeah. Like, you know, hockey, football, the jazz band, the acapella group, student council. Yeah. The improv group. Uh-huh which I started and then we never had any meetings, but I still put it on my college <laughs> application. That's a very improv group leader kind of thing yeah. to do. <laughs> and that was my other thing. It's like, I got to do everything. Yeah. My, my brothers had their things and I needed to do everything they didn't, uh-huh. which was more sports. And, uh, but I also needed to do that. Right. And I remember actually the bi- a big moment for me was in senior year, junior year, when I was like, ah, I can't audition for the play because now I'm in varsity football and I, I can't do both. I can't play hockey. And it was my dad at dinner who was like, you know, <laughs> you don't have to play hockey. I was like, what? Was <laughs> but like, I'm from Minnesota. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I, I have to play hockey. <laughs> That's our family tradition. <laughs> and it was my dad saying that like, oh, you mean I can quit things? And like I can do the play? Right. He recognized like, like, you're not going to do hockey in college. Yeah. You need attention. You're a performer. 
and so my whole life has been taking on way too much and then finally quitting something and being so happy and then filling that time with something else. That's, that's a pretty good uh, routine, I think. Mm-hmm. Achie- trying to achieve, mm-hmm. <clears throat> trying to overachieve, and then you get happiness by quitting things, which is, that's the best. Yeah. <laughs> I think I just, I need to be constantly validated. So yeah, quitter's be... guilt is no good. Yeah, no. But there's always something else. I, I have a little bit of fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, like, don't like hanging out with people. Right. I like doing things. I'm like, what are we here to do? That surprises me, though. I hear you talk about that on your show, about you being sort of a misanthrope. <laughs> uh, and that's not the Peter that I know. It, it's a little misleading. Uh-huh. But it is that, like, if people are like, hey, you, you want to, like, hang out and go to a park? Like, sure. I'll probably be stressed. Unless you're, like, a very <laughs> small group of friends that I, like, I don't care, in, like, uh-huh. what I look like. I mean, I'll be fine. But I'm much more interested in that, like, okay, what are, are we building something? Right. Like, what are we doing? Even if it's, you know, game night to me is the task which, oriented. Yeah. Yeah. Why are we here? Otherwise, I I get selfish and lose interest, and then I'm like, I want to go home. You're probably a nightmare at game night, huh? <sighs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Is it about the rules and things like that? Uh, I think before I met Beth. Uh huh. Yes, but she hates games. Yeah. And I, I was like, I don't understand that at all. Um, but so the games she will play are now the games that I love way more, which are the ones where there's no winners. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, what games are those? So two, we have, uh, we, we made up a game called Crapples to Crapples, <laughs> which is the only fun version of Apples to Apples, where everyone takes 20 minutes to write down all their own adjectives and nouns. Okay. It's just people everyone in the room knows uh-huh. and like specific things like the noun of like uh, Peter's ability to shut up is like a card. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and then you play apples to apples and everything's an inside joke. I've never heard of apples to apples. Oh, okay. Have you heard of cards against humanity? Yeah. It's the same thing. Okay. You have a card that's like deplorable. And then uh, you've got a handful of nouns uh-huh. and you put the card down that best is best described by that adjective. Okay. And it's a cute, you know, fun game. People love it. But if, like, the card is, uh, you know, like, the Peter's attention span, then it gets personal <laughs> and hilarious. It's like a game that only the six people in the room can <clears throat> yeah. play. Yeah. Like, I made a version for my family that's just, you know, 40-plus years of inside jokes. Mm-hmm. It's a game that only these six people can play. And you wrote them down on little cards? Yeah, I spent four months every time I was on the train, like writing down literally every memory that we collectively have. That's fun. And it is the most fun game in the world. That's pretty cool. There's a few like cards that always win. Yeah. It's like the one weird ant that we all have. Right. Fits any adjective. (laughs) I won't say which one. (laughs) I don't love Cards Against Humanity. That's my confession. Yeah, neither do I. I played it again recently after having played it once a few years ago and... I was like, this isn't, I don't know, this isn't fun. It's just like dumb, dirty jokes. And yeah. I love dumb, dirty jokes, so I don't know where the disconnect is. Because it's like taking all the creativity out of it. Maybe. Uh, I can't stand it at all. But like this other version, suddenly it's you who are, is clever. You're right. writing your own things. Yeah. And just like your friend's personalities are there. Yeah. So that's the only game I can get Beth to play. I like, uh, there's one game we play, I can't think of the name of it now, but it's essentially the $25,000 pyramid. Mm-hmm. 
where you have a word and you're trying to get the person to say that word. Oh, yeah. Um, it, uh... You know, uh, I can't remember. <laughs> but, you know, there's a timer and you pass it back and uh, forth. And... Uh, I know what it is. <laughs> For some reason, the only word that keeps popping into my head is Talbots. <laughs> and that, no, that is a woman's clothing store. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. But I think the aesthetic of the Talbot sign is very similar to the box of this game. Oh, what is it? Uh, this is I love this because this is when people are screaming at their. Uh, yeah, please call in. Yeah. and tell us <laughs> that it's that it's not uh, uh, Talbot. Not Scrabble. Now I can't think of Scrabble. Not Scrabble. What's the Scrapple? <laughs> Scrapples to crapples. <laughs> We're just saying nonsense words. No. I know. Um, what about movie time in your house growing up with four dudes? Um, so we were not allowed to watch TV on school days. Whoa. Which I thought was just bogus. Like not Monday through Friday, not at all? Friday after school, the TV goes on. Uh, and probably home. stayed on. It stayed. <laughs> oh, I watched a lot of TV. Yeah. Until Sunday night when <clears throat> homework needed to be done. Wow. And it goes off again. So growing up, I never, except in the summer when I got watched a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. I never really saw Simpsons, Seinfeld, all those things until I went to college mm-hmm. and I just absorbed everything. But trying to, like, I saw a million movies. It yeah. was mostly TV shows that I missed out on. Uh, but you the, you guys would do, like, movie night with the family or was that verboten uh, except n- for the weekends? N- I mean, there was no, I mean, no, there's zero TV, zero screens. Uh, until Friday. Um, but we went, yeah, you know, we went to movies uh-huh. on weekends all the time. And I'd go to my cousin's house and watch Star Wars 19 million times. Right. When I was really little. I'd go to my grandmother's house and she would babysit me with Dumbo, uh-huh. Wizard of Oz, and the Ewok Adventure. Oh, yes, the Ewok Adventure. Which is <laughs> when, uh, when special my, place in your, your oh, podcast. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so I have, if you listen to the show, you know, the only thing I, I have from my grandmother after the, my grandparents passed away. I was like, I just need the VHS copy of the Ewok Adventure that was recorded off of TV. Yeah. And it has all of the commercials. And after the movie is over, there's like an hour of my grandmother's soap operas, which are incredible. Yeah. And, uh, 80s soap operas, I I guess. Yeah. I digitized it. It's on my computer with all of the scratches. Right. It's like my childhood. Nice. (laughs) Have your kids seen that yet? Um, They didn't care for it. Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. Uh, Yesterday, so Bryn, that my kids watch so much TV, and now I'm like, you know what? No TV on school days. I get it now. Yeah. It's actually easier. Like, this, it seems like put something on, that's easy, it'll take care of them. Uh But they get, they get crazy. They get stressed. They get crabby. And when we just go no TV, we draw. We, we put things in our hands. Right. And they focus on a thing for an extended period of time. And, uh, and I'm like, this is, this is what I want to do now. But of mm-hmm. course, Beth is very skeptical of any, anytime I'm like, here's a new rule. Yeah. She's like, you didn't think about this. Right. This is a thought you had right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, doesn't mean it's not a good thought. <laughs> yeah. She's, I love her, uh, her, her ongoing criticism of you and in installing a rule at an inappropriate time. They're pretty good rules. Or, or discipline. And like, this is the worst time to just be like, you know what? Yeah. From now on. <laughs> she takes the easy way out. And I'm, I have a much higher tolerance for chaos and screaming. 
uh, for better or for worse. See, so, I don't. That's where we reverse. Emily yeah. has a higher tolerance for that. I'm like, you know, when they're with me, mm-hmm. uh, because like I do put the foot down yeah. without, without like being emotional about it. Right. If I'm doing it right. No, don't always do it right. It's just that like, no, nope, we're not doing this. We're doing this. Yeah. And they'll scream for three days. Yeah. Uh, and then the fourth day they're like, well, this didn't work. Right. And so that's, that's been my most successful parenting is just like, here's some clear boundaries (laughs) and I'm not going to like challenge you. Yeah. Just going to say that's, that's it. Now let's talk about something else. Mm -hmm. Uh, in the TV, like I'm close to, I want to say just like no, no TV, Mm -hmm. but I know that even I, I'm going to find that hard to stick to. Yeah. Because I want to watch things too. Yeah. But I have found, like, I deleted the YouTube app, mm-hmm. something I want to talk about. And I've also recently deleted the YouTube, uh, Amazon Prime. Because mm-hmm. they also have endless, like, super short next, next, next type videos. Yeah. And those are the things that drive my kids insane. So I'm like, I just now go home and I put on a movie. Right. They don't like it. They don't like it. But they'll actually now sit and watch. Uh, but anyway, how to get here? We watched The Wizard of Oz the other day. Oh, nice! And uh, it's really scary. It is. And uh, I was in the kitchen with Maven, and Bryn came in, and he goes, "Um, and Daddy, I turned the movie off, and it was getting a bit too scary." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that's fair." Yeah, that's his new way of being scared. Is like as an adult. Uh huh. This was far too scary. Does he say adult because of Peppa Pig? Because Ruby totally always says that i'm a bit shy you know what? i'm a bit scared it must be they watch that all the time yeah maven's gonna be peppa pig for halloween oh that's great but he picks up i mean i hear myself in the things that he says but also he'll say things like i like a nice grape right you know, like, like a, i like a good pea he did that he held up a pea from his pasta I like a good pee. Yeah, I like a good pee. <laughs> you must not have said that because I would have laughed. Yeah, it's interesting with movies and like growing up, I feel like we watched TV and movies all the time mm-hmm. and they were just shittier screens mm-hmm. or we were staring at a game, a handheld game Yeah, that was just, you know, 80s and low tech and crappy. Yeah. So it's just like things have gotten better. But they allow you to get bored. Yeah. I think that the one thing I won't let them do is <clears throat> touch a screen, no phones, no like iPad stuff. Oh, wow. And no super short like music video type content. Yeah. Because that gets them. I know it, it. I'm addicted to my phone and I look at it 10 hours a day for no reason because I'm just my brain's like, there's a prize. Go for it. Yeah. There's another prize. Dopamine. Boing. Exactly. So putting on a movie, they get bored. That's great. But the, when they watch YouTube, they'll watch that forever. Right, because it's, it's endless. Next, 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 next. That's a good idea. Yeah. Because Ruby, I mean, it's, you know how it is. It's amazing how fast they figure out how to. Yeah. I mean, they, it's almost as if they have built them for children. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> like yeah. take to, tiny little fingers and mm-hmm. move them around on a screen and it does stuff. Yeah. The way Bryn uses, we have an Apple TV. He's got the Apple remote. Oh, I he's, hate that thing. He's got it. Down. Yeah. And I'll hold it towards him. He's just got his like thumb here. You can't see what I'm doing. He's this intricate little. <laughs> on the little mini trackpad. Yeah, Is it one of the newer ones? Yeah. Yeah. He's, but he knows how to do all that. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I watched a bunch of stuff growing up. And so like any criticism of like our parents' generation. Yeah. I'm like, we 
watch TV like crazy. They watch a lot of TV. Yeah. And I get real snobby about certain shows. I was like, this is mindless. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, that's what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you're younger than me, but I grew up with Sid and Marty Croft mm -hmm. and like Sigma the Sea Monster and Wonderbug and, you know, and of course Saturday morning with Super Friends and yeah. all the Looney Tunes stuff. Yeah. Looney Tunes is the greatest. Yeah. I mean, you go watch it now, besides the fact that there's very problematic, like, yeah. racial stuff and gender, sure. gendered stuff, it is, it is, it is, it's music, mm -hmm. comedy, music. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rhythm and it's pace and it's really smart. And I realize like how much of my sense of humor has came from that. Yeah. You know, I work for Story Pirates and like that is so much of how we teach our actors to perform is in sort of like absolute uh clear dynamics and uh -huh. rhythm and like shifting of focus yeah uh with that same level of intelligence like looney tunes does not talk down to children right it's adults like making adults laugh yeah and to me like that's the best material for kids is the like don't don't dumb it down. You can tell that tone of like, I'm a child's theater actor, uh, and I'm oh talking God. to you for, for clarity. That's if you look at my face, I look like I'm a dead person because <laughs> there's no life in my eyes. Yeah. And kids, they're picking up on like they're humans. They're picking up on nonverbal stuff yeah. before anything you say. And so what you know, when we do story parts. I go into a school, and we perform a story by a kid who's there, and they see a bunch of adults genuinely making each other laugh uh -huh. they feel like oh you're taking us seriously and we can take this absurdist material yeah and like and we're not made and sort of we take it so hyper literally uh -huh. and seriously that it simultaneously brings out the absurdity of the ideas without talking down at the material and then the way we perform it as like we're treating this like it's shakespeare right this with like this story i like to go a lot to school yeah uh, Tell everyone what Story Pirates is. That's a good, that's a good idea. <laughs> we uh, take stories written by kids and adapt them into sketch comedy and musical theater. Yes. And we have uh, a couple hundred actors in L.A. and New York. And the vast majority of what we do is in-school programs. Mm -hmm. uh, so we do shows for kids who've written the stories. And there's a million variations of our programming. Uh, we also have a podcast that now the nation knows us. Right. Um, which is uh, uh, our same sort of style. Um, and it's the most fun thing in the world. Yeah, man. Uh, when I moved to New York, the first show I saw was just like taking this kid's story. Oh, I thought you created it, no? No, well, it was created by Northwestern alum, uh -huh. people I went to school with who are a little bit older than me. So they graduated, moved here, started the company, and then I showed up soon after. Uh -huh. I was like, I want to do that. And it was just, you know, that it's you get this story written by a kid and your job is just to go, this is perfect. Okay, let's put it on its feet. And we just have the funniest comedians around who quickly take this material and start adapting it on its feet. Yeah. So we work really quickly and it's just this like, <clears throat> we take the material very literally and we put it up mm -hmm. and it's also just a ton of funny people. So we're adding jokes and we're making sense of gaps in logic. Right. But our we don't have to improve the material. Right. Because uh, kids' language and logic has its own uh, absurdity and poetry to it. Uh -huh. Like, kid word choice. Yeah. Uh, 
again, like this is the story we do. It's called, I like to go a lot to school, mm -hmm. which is not how you would typically phrase that. Right. And it's not wrong. Right. But it's weirdly beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we have a lot of music that embraces that. And it's this fascinating mix between celebrating, like genuinely uh, uh, the words and ideas of young people. Mm -hmm. uh, and this, un this, I was gonna say unintended. It is the, the, there's a byproduct of just, it's so funny. Yeah. Just to go like, don't be smarter than this material. And it's so funny be because it makes its own sense. Yeah. Uh, and it's the one thing that I never get tired of doing. Do you, um, do you find that kids have an, uh, some sort of weird, natural, innate sense of story, like beginning, middle, end, or is it sort of... Well, that stuff is the stuff that's a lot of needs to be taught, uh -huh. um, that like sort of story structure, beginning, middle, end. A lot of it they inherently know because they, kids are watch so much, uh, media, like yeah. storytelling, they have an idea. They, they do a lot of copying structures they've seen. Okay. But like the thing, so the form <clears throat> of it is often not terribly original. Right. But the thing that is, is that kids, like most humans, make brilliant conclu conclusions uh -huh. with not enough information. So their logic as to why a thing exists and how they came to this idea mm -hmm. is so pure also because they don't a lot of times they don't know whether it should be a good idea or not they don't have the burden of judgment on right. them a lot so they follow their whim and it's that like oh i want this uh spaghetti uh seagull to be the president of kansas mm -hmm. you're like great <clears throat> yeah. and then our job is just go <laughs> take that seriously yeah and that is so funny yeah uh immediately just to see that like you know like we got to clean up this city. Uh, we got to clean up this stage, and everyone's trying to eat me all the time. It's a spaghetti <laughs> seagull. Ha! It's a tough life. Yeah, that story doesn't exist. But right. that's uh, the basic logic of that. Like, oh, it's also when kids don't know how things work. Mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, like it was a cold. I was trying to remember a story. Like it was a cold winter in fifteen forty-three in the city of Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like. Based on the information that kid's had, that kid has, that makes perfect sense. Wouldn't that be funny if you looked up historical records and it was a cold winter in Dallas? And <laughs> that kid is just a real historian. We didn't know. Oh man, that's great. Um, and Trike is going well. Yeah, so Trike is the, the two-man improv show I've been doing for a, about a decade now. Yeah, and it's me and my buddy Nick Canales, who's. Uh, man, you guys have been at it for a while. That's crazy. It's the most. I mean, just it's we do we get a title of the show from the audience, and then we do an hour of and our thing is sort of fluidity. There's no breaks. We do a million. We spread out a million characters and then somehow it all makes sense in the end. Yeah. Sort of no loose ends uh, type of improv. Um, and we're very lucky to have uh, an audience every week for 10 years. That's great. And is that at the Magnet Theater? Yeah. Uh, yeah, most Saturdays at 9 p.m. We started doing less because we have babies now. Right. And our wives were like, can we have a Saturday night one time, please? Yeah, yeah. every now and then. <laughs> that was a hard Band-Aid to rip off.
The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks. So you can always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you where you're heading, up, down, or steady. It can also alert you before you go too low or when you're going too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see like more time and range in lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. All right, dude, let's get into Hedvig and the Angry Inch. All right. Um, this is a movie I saw. What year was this out? Things like oh one, oh one. Where was I in oh one or ninety nine? Somewhere around there. It was oh one. Yeah. Um, I thought I was living in New York at the time, but I wasn't. I must have been in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But I associate it for some reason with New York. Yeah. Um, well, it started the show started in New York. Yeah. So was it was it a show and then a movie and then a show? Yeah. Well, so John Cameron Mitchell. Um, Developed this this show in New York. I don't know a ton about this. There are people that know every single piece of this. I was a little reluctant to pick this movie because I know people know so much more about this show and this movie than yeah. uh, I do. But uh, the basic history of the show is is John Cameron Mitchell started developing this one man show, uh, and uh, with Stephen Trask, who like led a band at uh, at this. Uh, drag show uh-huh. 
um, that was sort of like a rock-based drag show. Yeah. And so he started developing the show, and he actually took pre-existing songs and changed the lyrics to like start to tell this story. And through that process, I think his actual original character was the Tommy Gnosis character. Yeah, which uh, is and then, a great character name. Which is great. Yeah. But then it be, at some point it became Hedwig and that show built from there. So then that was an off-Broadway show uh-huh. for a, like a couple years. And then, and then he took it around. But pretty soon after that, they made the movie. Okay. And he wrote and directed it. And I don't think, like, I should have looked this up. But like, I don't think, the fact that he was a, allowed to do this, I yeah. don't know how he got this financed, uh, is fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's funny because it looks like it has a lot of production value. But if you also have, like, been around sets and stuff yeah. before, when you look at it, you're also like... Oh yeah, no. they made it seem like it had a lot of production value, but yeah. it, it was made on the cheap. There are so many scenes that are so bizarrely stylized. And yeah, you realize that like, oh, the camera's just really close because they don't have a set. Right. Uh, it really stuck, <laughs> stuck out to me in the in the bomb crater scene with uh-huh. Luther. Yeah, yeah. All his shots like right here. He's like, mm, <laughs> I can't believe you're not a girl. That's such a great line. Everything is so close in yeah it's all tight and the second time i watched it again uh, yesterday and i just started looking at the sets uh-huh. it's like oh yeah they had they had no space yeah which leads to this uh, really bizarre interesting aesthetic in that movie yeah so did you see the well have you seen the live show no but so i so i went to college you know one so i was a freshman and one of my closest friends there grew up um, actually where I live now outside of New York. And he saw the show like a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so I, he probably introduced me to it, but I saw this movie in college. It's one of those movies where we would all watch it a million times. Mm-hmm. Cause it's one of those that like, un- there's more to pick up on second viewing. Oh yeah, for sure. But it wasn't till, so I watched it a ton in college and then I don't think I've seen it since then. And Same then w- when we were emailing, I was like, oh, I love this movie. How about this? And then went back and watched it. Yeah. And realizing what I didn't know yeah. or think about in college compared to all the life experience I had, have had since then, uh-huh. within, as an artist, but also actually knowing like transgender people uh-huh. and having just watched 13 seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race right. all in a row. <laughs> You're like, oh, like there, there's a there's a lot to think about in this movie. Yeah. Whereas before in college, you're just like, this rocks. It feels sub- like subversive, <laughs> and yeah. it's like feels like something you shouldn't be watching, and it's put together weird, and the music is amazing. Yeah. And it's sort of like I think I watched it more as a music video. Yeah. Um, and then coming back to it now, obviously, like uh, what it says about gender and labels and identity. Yeah. I had not begun to unpack when i was you know well it was, 19. It was ahead of its time oh yeah i mean 2001 sounds like not that long ago but that was mm-hmm. 17 years ago yeah i was in la actually now i remember um and i saw it a, like i was pretty obsessed with the movie i saw it a bunch mm-hmm. of times yeah because it had um beyond the music like it has the dna of like 60s rock opera yeah and uh, the music is just so punk rock and awesome. Yeah. And the songs are so singable and catchy yeah. and like stand on their own. It's just like a record. Yeah. But it also has a DNA, a little bit of like Spinal Tap. 
Uh huh. With the sort of ongoing thread of their tour of Bilgewater yeah. restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so funny. I'd, I'd forgotten yeah. about that, that they were playing these these seafood restaurants. Yeah, it's so weird. Like, there's <laughs> the mo- more I watched the movie recently, I'm like, this is not a perfect movie. Uh, like, there's a lot of things that I pick apart. At, like, this doesn't make sense. This isn't made super well. Mm-hmm. But you don't care. Yeah. And part of, um, What's so great about it is you feel like you're missing things. Yeah. It has a sense that it knows everything about itself. And there are other stories that could be unpacked, but they're not, they're not giving it to you. Yeah. And I, a big part of that is because it was a stage show and the stage show is storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, Hedwig is telling the story. It starts with, you know, Hedwig is following Tommy Gnosis around the country. Right. And so she's doing the show next door to Madison Square Garden. Uh, where he's playing and you can see it in the movie like all the f- it's it's like it's storytelling adapted to another kind of storytelling mm-hmm. and it's rare that you're like what what part of this is literally happening yeah because most of it is representative of something else mm-hmm. or it's like this is a illustration of a story that Hedwig is literally telling to the audience at the restaurant mm-hmm. or is she now talking to a different audience is she talking directly to us right and i started noticing this time through like hedwig becomes a narrator directly to us as the viewers 20 minutes into the movie before that it starts with a uh, a song yeah and then uh and then it's, it's the scene in a hotel room with Yat- y- y- yitzhak yeah with all the wigs, uh-huh. which I still, um, I'm like, you don't know what's going on in that movie until like 20, 30 minutes in. Yeah. Because I was, the, that, that was a relationship that is confusing in the movie that's, I think, much clearer in the stage show. Between her and Itzhak. Yeah. Okay. So they're married. Yeah. And in the show, Yitzhak, in the, in the stage show, is, uh, uh, he's a man who's a drag queen. Uh-huh. A great singer and Hedwig brings him into the show, but he he can't be a drag queen because he's t- going to take the spotlight. Right. So he's bitter about being a backup singer and not being the star. Right. Uh, and all of that's in the movie, but it doesn't explain it to you. Like in that first scene in the hotel room with the wigs, they have that weird kiss. Uh-huh. Where are you watching? You're like it seems like the first time they've ever kissed. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie. Yitzhak's like, I want a divorce. Right. I was like, what? Yeah, but there's also the the opening number where uh, Hedvig unplugs the mic. Yeah. While uh, Yitzhak is singing. Yeah. And there's, it's clear that like there's, it didn't feel like a professional jealousy. Yeah. It felt personal. a little, yeah, it felt personal. It's a great example of that. Like, it feels like there's more to this. Yeah. And there is. Because you did this stage show forever. There's there's this sense of like you're being allowed to see these snippets of it, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's what makes it so intriguing. And if you want to rewatch it over and over. Yeah, is like whenever uh, Hedwig is doing those sort of monologue things, there's so many jokes in there. Oh yeah, and you can also tell John Cameron Mitchell has told these jokes nine million times. Yeah, and has it down. And there's just so minimal effort in the best way. Yeah. Uh, so you see those moments, and you're like, this feels like one kind of movie. And then you see the weird scenic 
scenes, like where they're in the hotel room, uh -huh. as if there's no audience listening. Right. And those are the ones that pop to me as weird. Yeah. Compared to everything else. Because other parts, Hed uh, Hedwig is then talking directly to us. Right. And then we have the flashbacks and storytelling. And I, it's this patchwork quilt of, of storytelling, like different modes of storytelling. That, yeah, yeah. That like don't fit together. And that's what's great about it. Yeah. And there, the other thing um, too, like the efficiencies of making a low budget movie, mm -hmm. like I'm sure it helped that he, uh, that Cameron Mitchell had done this you know, a oh, million yeah. times. Yeah. Because I doubt if they did a thousand takes of everything because they couldn't. Yeah. And then like the other things like with the, uh, the, the men's, men's fair. Yeah. Like who knows what that, I don't know what that was in the stage player. If it was, I'm supposed sure to it be was nothing, a big thing. Yeah. And they're like, well, no, we don't have the money. Like it'd be really funny though. Yeah. If there was one person in a field yeah. with like eight porta potties. Yeah. That and, was a cheap day. Yeah. And it's such a, such a funny scene. It's also that scene where Hedwig is drunk sitting on all the car tires. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that's another part of the movie where this, she's telling the story to anyone who will listen. Right. Uh, and that's just like a bunch of headheads yeah. back getting drunk. Yeah, which is, the, that's sort of the cool thread is, like you said, the patchwork storytelling. Sometimes it's breaking the fourth wall, yeah. talking directly to you. Sometimes you are the the sole uh, attendee of the men's fair. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. you're the, the punks on the tires. Yeah, then it also, I kept noticing every time it changed, like when Tommy Gnosis starts, this, uh, she starts to tell that story about him. Yeah. There's the scene where she's like, he's hiding behind the bushes and he's she's singing, I think, Wicked Little Town. Uh-huh. And... That starts with, for any of you, like, uh, for the line is, anybody wants their steal this for their first single? Right, right. Suddenly, that is a character from the future speaking through a character in the past. Oh, yeah. It's a, I never that, thought about that. I, I don't think there's any other mo moment in the movie where a character is aware of their own future. Right. Uh, I mean, sort of when Hedwig is in the oven talking about her past, but she's a narrator at that point. Right. So there's a lot of that. Yeah, it, it does jump around. It's really ambitious. Yeah. And they also, um, he also really, like, there's a lot of story mm -hmm. in 90 minutes. Oh, yeah. Because there's the relationship with Luther. Mm -hmm. There's a relationship with uh, Itzhak, and there's a relationship with Tommy Gnosis. Yeah. And none of them feel shortchanged. Yeah. Because of, uh, again, the efficiencies. Like, that whole, um, and it's one of my favorite sad parts of the movie when, uh, and it's such a sad movie in so many ways. Mm -hmm. But when Luther, uh, they get married, yeah. they go to Kansas to live in a yeah. trailer, and Luther leaves uh, Hedwig for the for another a new little boy toy. Yeah. But it's not, that could have been a drawn out scene. Oh, yeah. And they just do it with a shot. There's no dialogue. It is so efficient. It's just him in the doorway with yeah. this new guy with his suitcase, and he just kind of gives that look like, yeah. sorry. Everything in that movie up till, I think it slows down, like when when the Tommy Gnosis story starts, yeah. there's actually a lot more just no more talking to the audience. Uh -huh. There's just like intimate scenes. But before that, uh, that movie, there's no, it, like you never, your tension does never drifts. Yeah. So it's just next thing, next thing, next thing, next thing. And it's so efficient to, 
how much it explains like that moment, especially when like Luther does his like, oh, well, yes, yeah. and walks out the door. It's so sad. And felt so bad. You watch the Berlin Wall fall. Yeah. So. Which is great. Hansel that... has left a part of himself <laughs> behind <laughs> and is now, and it was all for nothing. Yeah. You know, and that's the big message of this movie is who is Hedwig? <laughs> and that's the most like fascinating thing about the movie watching it now uh especially like personally just you know when i first watched it a million times had no experience or understanding of sort of like anything outside of binary mm-hmm. gender norms yeah and so i was like oh drag queen it's probably the first time i'd ever like thought about it yeah and didn't even really think about it yeah because the movie doesn't explain it to you and what's the movie doesn't give it labels right you know you don't say Hedwig's a transgender woman. Right. Uh, because Hedwig never tells us what she thinks of herself. Yeah. You know, and because it was like, oh, well, I guess this is a, 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 a gay man in the right. beginning, but you don't know that. Yeah. And then the, the transition to woman is one of necessity, not of identity. Because of the botched yeah, surgery. Yeah, she's doing it to get out of East Berlin. Yeah. And not because necessarily, like, Hansel felt like Hansel was a woman. Right. And so that, that moment of, like, okay, well, I'll do this to get to do this. I'll do it for my mother, myself, for Luther. Yeah. And then ends up in Junction City, Kansas, a woman mm-hmm. uh and then the wall comes down and you're like well it wasn't necessary and also luther's leaving and that's the moment of who am i yeah like, i th- doesn't feel like i can go back to being hansel right uh and so then that's the wig in the box you know it's that whole i put on a wig and i can be whomever i want yeah it's a really it's a journey of of self-discovery for sure. Mm-hmm. And then at the center of it, like it could have just been that, but to include the subplot of the, or not plot, but plot point of the uh, botched surgery mm-hmm. is just like really hardcore. Yeah. Like they didn't need to do that, but they did. And it added so much like, and, and especially with that song yeah. that explains everything, you know, yeah. I got an angry inch, yeah. which in, in Bilgewater, it's one of the great funny scenes yeah. too in the restaurant. Oh, the, the weirdest part of that scene is after she dives and flies away, uh-huh. the last shot of that scene is like weirdly longly focused on this family having a food fight in the booth. Yeah, yeah. And it just lingers on that it's shot just weird. for just long enough to go, does this matter specifically? Right. And it doesn't. <laughs> But yeah, I think the, the, like the creation of Hedwig, you know, like, cause, and then there's a whole association with like being a drag queen Mm -hmm. is like, I literally just watched 13 seasons of drag race and this, like the building of the illusion of a woman on a man's body is like so much of it is like filling in these negative spaces, Mm -hmm. you know, because a man is shaped like this and you build, build these things. And like that metaphor, uh, of of Hedwig having missing pieces like yeah. literally and metaphorically uh and it's like what do you fill that space in with mm-hmm. uh and in this instance it was this character of right. Hansel, of of Hedwig and like the drag queen filling this void uh and it is like her mom says the second time I was watching it I'm like oh 
Yeah, that's it. It's just, it's a simple cut and paste job. Right. She's talking about the passport. Yeah. And like, of course it isn't. Right. Um, yeah. Also on that point, watching it this time, listening to Origin of Love. Yeah. Such a which, great you know, I think in college was a like, oh, like hell yeah. You know, just being the first time I think I was friends with gay people. And like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is a beautiful metaphor for that. The, the children of the earth, the, the, the moon and the sun. Mm -hmm. But now watching it, actually realizing how still limiting that is. Yeah. It's still a binary choice man, woman. Right. And within that song, Hedwig doesn't fit mm -hmm. anywhere. Yeah. Hedwig is trying to find like her other half, her missing piece. Yeah. And doesn't know what it's supposed to look like because she doesn't know who she is. And if it's like, well, I'm, if I'm a man, then I have these two options. And if mm -hmm. I'm a woman, I have these two. Where, like, especially in, now in 2017, uh, more of us are aware that, like, that song actually isn't, doesn't represent uh, all genders. Right. Which is something that never occurred to me watching it the first time. Well, we've come a long way in 17 years. Even mm -hmm. the LGBTQ community mm -hmm. in recognizing this stuff. Yeah. Officially, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And uh, like, that's how it was in 2001. Yeah, it was progressive. And like, f especially for mainstream audiences to even consider those things. Yeah. I don't think I had in, until that point. Yeah. But it's also like the labels we have now, and we're still in a fascinating period of, I think, fluidity in terms of labels. Mm -hmm. And now that's also sort of the thing that people are fighting against is like not being defined by labels. Right. But we're also a people that need to label things. Right. So, you know, it is that like, what are you supposed to say? What's the right answer? Mm -hmm. and there's not a right answer because everybody identifies differently. You know, it's this, this is like, you know, gender queer or transgender or all what, but the thing that's fascinating watching it now is that again, there are no labels mm -hmm. in the movie. Uh, and it's taken on a new meaning in this era where people are sort of label obsessed. Yeah. So it's not only Hedwig trying to come to terms with what she is and where she belongs on that spectrum. Mm -hmm. And that's like awesome and brave enough, but it's also this love story. Mm -hmm. And like yeah. Hedwig's really trying to find love Yeah, uh, through all these different means, whether yeah. it's Luther or uh, I want to say Itzhak. It's not Itzhak. Yitzhak. 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 <laughs> I, re I wrote it down in my notes like 10 different ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to look it up in the credits. Yitzhak. Uh, and then Tommy, of mm -hmm. course, finally, you know, when she meets Tommy in that whole sort of second half of the movie mm -hmm. and third act is so great mm -hmm. because then it's also a story of, it's a rock and roll story mm -hmm. of I, I was the mentor to this kid. Yeah. Taught him everything he knew. Now he's a big star and has left me behind. And I was, I was the genius behind it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's, again, it just tackles so much. Yeah. Well, uh, originally, uh, the, uh, apparently like Hedwig is, I don't know how specifically, but based on a babysitter that John Cameron Mitchell's like little brother had. So John Cameron oh, really? Mitchell is started as Tommy. And like that show started as he was Tommy and Hedwig was one of sort of the out peripheral characters. Oh, um, I have no idea how much of the true version of that story, because I think she was 
German and like Hedwig, the, the babysitter, who's also maybe a prostitute. Uh, and so he, uh, he, his that like dual identity, uh-huh. Tommy and Hedwig, I think is a big part of the show. That's mm-hmm. uh, uh, like, cause at the end of the show, the stage show, like the movie, he ends up ripping off the, the Hedwig costume. Yeah. In that metaphorical, like trying to find Hedwig's identity, she rips this thing off. Mm-hmm. And, and what's left is, that's also the, like who she really is. But right. It's also a blank slate. She's mm-hmm. like, she's sort of, in, this is my interpretation at least, admitting that she doesn't know. Right. But like ripping off the facade and going, whatever this is, yeah. this is who I am. Mm-hmm. And like the tattoo becomes whole. Yes. And I think you look at that uh, one of two ways. Either it's that like merging of Tommy and Hedwig, mm-hmm. which I think I used to uh, see it as. But now it's I gravitate more towards that like you, there is no perfect person for you. You are, you complete you. Right. You know, so tearing all that away and that last shot of Hedwig just walking out into the darkness. Yeah, in the alley. It's like, it's not necessarily a happy ending or a sad ending. Yeah. Just that like, yeah, all of it was an attempt to find yourself and none of it's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was satisfying as an ending, Mm -hmm. but I agree it wasn't happy or sad, but it was satisfying because Hedwig finally kind of uh, worked it all out with Tommy was the toast of the town mm-hmm. for a moment, got yeah. on got on Rosie O'Donnell yeah. in the cover of Time Out New York. <laughs> um, so it was satisfying. I felt like there was some closure mm-hmm. for the character. Yeah. Uh, for sure. And she and Tommy had that fun night, you know, yeah. where, uh, where he let his guard down and remembered how much, you know, I think she just needed that from him. Yeah. Like, I don't even think she needed to be the toast of the town. Well, it's fun. I think in the stage show, that plot point happens before the show starts where like there's a car crash and she's using the notoriety uh, as limo lady. Yeah. Yeah. I think that happens like before the show, which I oh, interesting. just read about literally this morning. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, that is a, a really different, uh, uh, the, obviously the, it's a different story arc, but that's what they're injecting into the movie. That's different is the stage show is here's what happened. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's happening in real time is witnessing the Yitzhak, uh, right. Big thing happening. So it's doing the stage show, which is all storytelling, but also showing it reordered those, those yeah. things. Uh, yeah. And it, I think the Tommy, like at the end when they're singing wicked little town to each other and uh-huh. Hedwig's stripped off, it is that like, I don't know what, this means right. Uh, I I'm a person who wants there to be an answer, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, th- this this movie is not trying to give you definitive answers to things. Yeah, obviously, it's all about identity. Of which, like, w- is there a right a- uh, label for that? Is there a right answer? Right. And um, that the Tommy scene still with me every time I watch it. I'm like. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. Mm-hmm. I can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. Um, but the rest of the movie, I love to be like, this means this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I like to explain it cause it makes me feel smart. Right. Comfortable. You know, ironically, I like labeling things uh-huh. in this movie. And I'm like, Oh, this is what this means. And this is, 
metaphor for this. This, uh-huh. is, this was the intention. Right. <laughs> and boy, that's not the point. <laughs> and so the ending, which I'm like, I don't know if I like this because I can't explain it. Yeah. <laughs> is good. Oh, man, that bathtub scene is so funny, too. Oh, yeah. the, the bathtub jerk off. That's another, like... So well done. There's only two shots. I know. Not a big budget. It's really, like, it forces you to get creative. Yeah. And that says everything you need to know about those two characters. Because mm-hmm. you see Tommy seeing Hedvig walk back and forth with the baby. Yeah. Start to masturbate. Yeah. And then that great shot where Hedwig... <laughs> Walks back and is like, oh. There's a little double, puts, t- puts, double take. Yeah, puts the baby down. On the floor. And then all you see is, uh, is uh, is who's the guy? Who's the guy who plays uh, Tommy? I can't remember. Uh, my, Michael? Uh, just a P. Pitt? Pitt? Yeah. Michael Pitt? That's it. Yeah. And then you see his hands both come into the frame. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, oh, Hedwig's in the there. just the pace picks up. Yeah, and the splashing and the splashing. Yeah. yeah. And then the, the card, the business card just drops into the water. And him being like, what? Yeah. <laughs> It was so great. Such a great way to intro them. Yeah, there's also, I realized, a lot of, like, uh, weird little absurdities, um, like the uh, bishop in a turtleneck. Yeah. Um, where they That felt out of place. Yeah, that one. A little bit. Pops. Uh-huh. In more ways than one. Uh, <laughs> metaphorically, it's just like, oh, that's a that changes the rules uh-huh. of the world. And you realize, like, oh, well, I guess he was a child in the oven, and then he turned into his adult self, and he's spinning. Like, you, you don't know what, not, none of it feels like it's actually happening now. Right. It feels like an adaptation of story to, of somebody telling a story. Yeah. Uh, but also, I think a lot of it is out of necessity. You know, there's the, the animations. Oh, I think man. are really simple and so beautiful. Great. Yeah. It takes care of a lot of budget. Totally. And also the, like, there's the implication that i think that he's uh, that he's abused by his father yeah and they're like they don't give you that scene and like you don't want to see that scene right but it's just through those series of like of stick figures spooning yep that is like oh here are all the influences like he says the people who have touched me Uh uh-huh in in all ways yeah in good ways and terrible ways and then it's just those drawings and then over the bed shot of the father son laying there mm-hmm. and then the dad getting smacked and you're like great that's efficient storytelling yeah and the music too that's it's mm-hmm. a very efficient way to tell stories through music and song oh yeah and especially in these little music video like sequences mm-hmm. yeah and that's how they're able i think to get so much done in 90 minutes yeah you know there's yeah. this movie could have been two hours long but it didn't need to be totally and i'm glad it's not yeah you know yeah i always thought after this i remember after i saw this i was like man John Cameron, John Cameron Mitchell is going to be a fucking superstar. Yeah. Like, I cannot wait to see what he does to top this. Well, his next movie was it Short Bus. It yeah. It was his like, sex movie. He didn't do a lot after he this. Came, so I was at Northwestern. Uh-huh. And he went to Northwestern. And uh, we were in the same improv group uh, however many years apart. Oh, no way. Um, so he came to Northwestern when I was there after Hedwig. And he was... Uh, developing short bus and the whole premise of that movie is there's is there's real sex in that movie oh, and but i the, didn't see it but the the way he built it was basically finding a bunch of artists that, uh-huh. that, that like were open to these incredibly open boundaries of, of sexuality and identity and he wanted a movie with with sex scenes in them that 
were felt real, mm-hmm. uh, like the, how the experience actually is. So it's like, what is, what does sex do to relationships, to people? Yeah. As opposed to the performance of sex, uh, either sort of, you know, pornography or in movies, sex is like presented in this very specific way. Yeah. So he came to Northwestern, uh, at a time where he was developing this movie. And in retrospect, I was like, was he trying to find college students to like do this? Interesting. Although I, they were all adults in that movie ultimately, but he came and did a talk and we listened, uh, to his philosophy about this. And that was the next project. Huh. And I saw that movie and it's, it is fascinating. I like, I don't remember anything about the plot. Like, I don't think it's an amazing movie. Right. But I think everyone, the novelty of the sex stuff was the like hook. And it is what's fascinating about that movie. Yeah. Cause you don't, you've never seen anything like it where it's just like a very sort of matter of fact thing. Yeah. And it's weirdly not, over sexualized mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of graphic sex in it yeah um but so like that was his next thing is not shying away from from these big questions of uh, uh i think Hedwig was more about gender identity and that one was more about sexual identity yeah but having only seen that movie once that's as much as I'm confident to say about it. He's directed, now that I'm looking at his filmography, I mean, he's stayed busy. Yeah. He's directed a lot of TV, directed Nurse Jackie. He, he's directed some Glow episodes. Huh. And he's written some, st- or, or acted in some stuff. But I guess when you do something like conceive, write, direct, star, uh, in something like Hedwig and the Angry Inch, you just expect, like, yeah, the next thing will be, like, something sort of like that this all yeah. in but maybe you know this was his one big idea yeah i mean that's he's it's it's my impression of him hearing him talk was was a like he he's in it for the art mm-hmm. you know he's a real sort of new york theater underground right. artist and that seems to be have remained his thing and you can see like in that movie he's not trying to make a commercial no thing uh, and for, for better and for worse. It really blew up. He's 55 years old. He lives here in New York. Let's go see him. Where's, yeah. Let's find him. <laughs> the Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade. At the Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day savings event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options see homedepot.com slash delivery for details the home depot how doers get more done
done. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks. So you can always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you where you're heading, up, down, or steady. It could also alert you before you go too low or when you're going too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see like more time and range in lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. All right, dude, we'll finish up with a couple of segments. What Ebert said. This movie is a complete disappointment. Okay. And then five questions. Uh, are you doing all right on time? I'm great. All right, cool. Um, and I just pulled this up because uh, uh, I don't know if I told everyone, but I thought we were an hour later. <laughs> so I usually have this like quote prepared. Yeah. But it looks like Ebert did give it three stars. And uh, so he had this to say, uh, John Cameron Mitchell electrifies the movie with a performance that isn't a satire of glam rock performers so much as an authentic glam rock performance. The movie may have had a limited budget, but the screen is usually filled with something sensational, including a trailer home that transforms itself in an instant into a stage. I forgot about that part. That was great. Yeah, that is. Well, that's also the first moment that the band appears in Hedwig's past. Oh, right. Up to that point, the band only exists in the real world at Bilgewater's. (laughs) And then suddenly, but but it makes sense because that is the scene in which Hedwig decides to become Hedwig. Right. Or like, I can put on whatever wig I want and become this thing. And so the band is present for that. Yeah. But they're not literally there because this is just a story that Hedwig is telling. Right. Yeah. That's another weird part of it. It is like, what also doesn't work uh, is the is the like th- some of those venues like playing in Bilgewater is absurd. Mm-hmm. It's uh, and that's another reason it keeps it in the like this doesn't seem real, right? Because the point is that Hedwig is playing shitty venues, mm-hmm. but like this is absurd that they would this band would be hired for this venue, mm-hmm. uh, and like the. And also, like, their manager as a character. Yeah. You're like, why why did you commit to this band? Yeah. 
you didn't explain that to me because you're an atypical per like yeah i'm a typical manager but this band wouldn't have a typical manager no. or a manager at all yeah exactly yeah. I think it's best just not overthink yeah, that yeah. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Something I never thought about until I was like, I'm going to talk about this on a podcast. You do not put a bra in a dryer. <laughs> it whoops! <laughs> I tell you, however many years ago, I was doing laundry, and I took my wife's bras out of the, the laundry basket uh-huh. and did not put them in the dryer, and I hung them up. Dude, I learned that there, too. And she Isn't came, that funny? She was like, what are these doing here? I'm like, well, you're not supposed to put those on a dryer, right? And she looked at me in the most positive way yeah. that like she's ever looked at me. And I was like, I'm very proud of this. <laughs> That's so funny. That's where I learned that too. Yeah. And I made a mental note. I was like, oh. That guy right. has an incredible performance. <laughs> it's warps. And then he just does the defeated child. Oh, yeah. My, Bryn does that all the time. Really? Where I'm like, you can't do this. I don't want it to do... And then the yeah, quivering lip defeated and then slump shoulders, <laughs> head down, and he walks away like Charlie oh, Brown. He goes, I'm gonna I'm not gonna be friends with you. Yeah. And storms off. Which is so sad and hysterical all yeah. at the same time. So vulnerable. <laughs> There's I a whole it. story to that band you don't get to hear, but it's there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So we finish with five questions. Yeah. Wait, oh. can we just first just say, whose baby is that? Oh yeah. I think it's the drummer's baby. But also what, when the, when Tommy is in the bathtub? No, 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 no. There's a baby on tour with the band. Oh, right. And there's two scenes with the baby. And there's another woman like that's around there that I think is one of like the band members' girlfriends. Yeah, yeah. But I that's a great example of like <laughs> they're not explaining that to you. Yeah, it's yeah. Just the drummer in a mall with a baby in a in a baby Bjorn. Yeah, I wonder if there was some deleted scenes for some of this stuff. Oh, I hope not. Because you don't need yeah. to explain the baby. Yeah, the band is, that's the best, like, don't tell me the story. Right. <laughs> it's in my head. All right, Peter, what's the first movie you remember seeing in the theater? Oh, um, that I remember? I know that I saw a lot of movies in the theater before this, but... I remember going to Little Mermaid. Uh, yeah. And that sort of like being aware of that's sort of one of the golden ages of Disney. Mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, Lion King, Aladdin was like right. I was right at that age. Like I remember Lion King came out. I was like, I'm too old for this, but I'm really excited. So. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, I don't remember going in the theater, but I remember the marquee mm-hmm. like at the mall like the little mermaid in the car and being like this is exciting yeah good stuff yeah uh first r-rated movie you saw and were your parents like yeah I was, permissive I, I was third of four boys okay so they didn't know uh i mean i also we grew up a few blocks from my cousins who also had four kids the exact same ages as us mm. so we sort of lived over there as much as at home that's fun it was great and um uh, Again, like I, uh, I'm sure there were plenty that were happening. A lot of them I saw when I shouldn't have. Right. Like walking in to see older cousins watching a movie. I remember the one that sticks out. Well, I have two quick ones. Uh-huh. One that sticks out is walking into the room while my cousins are watching Terminator 2, uh-huh. just for the moment where Sarah Connor gets hit with a nuclear bomb and turns into a skeleton on the Yeah, fence. yeah. And I was like, I will never sleep again. <laughs> But another one I don't remember seeing, but I remember I had this reoccurring nightmare 
when I was little, uh, and, you know, my memory of like every night, it probably happened a few times where it was just like a terrifying muddy faces in the lawn, like coming after me and like yeah. rain. And it was like terrifying. And then when I was an adult, I was flipping through channels and on came poltergeist, uh-huh. which had to my mind adapted my nightmare uh-huh. into a movie because <laughs> I was watching that scene. Yeah. And I realized like, I saw this when I was way too young. Gotcha. And Don't it just remember seeing imprinted, it. And yeah. It just became my nightmare. But the moment of like, <laughs> this is my nightmare. <laughs> Who made this movie was truly terrifying. Wow. That's pretty funny. So that was probably the first thing I really shouldn't have seen. Uh, will you walk out of a bad movie? I've walked out of two movies. Okay. I walked out of Baby's Day Out with my mom. Uh, what was that? Uh, I know the title. Exactly. But... It's a movie about a baby who's like walking around a city and bad guys are trying to catch it. <laughs> That's all I remember. Why'd you go see that? My mom took me. Uh, but even, I guess, I guess we were like, nobody likes this. But you were, you were a kid? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as a kid, you were like, this is bullshit. Uh, I don't remember <laughs> making the choice, but uh, I know I also walked out of Corky Romano. Oh, right. But because it was, it was not good at all. Is that Catan? Yeah, Chris Catan. Yeah. But probably also because I was there with my high school girlfriend and no one was in the theater. So we were just making out in the back of the theater. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the, the, the staff come in and just look up at us. And I was like, we're going to jail. <laughs> right. <laughs> because we're making out in a the theater. We're not allowed to kiss. And so we left, I think I said, because the movie was bad. Right. But I was just like, you really get in trouble. Oh, okay. I thought you meant you really just want to go find a back seat somewhere. I mean, that, that was probably also <laughs> part of it. I've had a couple of uh, people in here say that they left to go make out. Yeah, well, yeah. Making out. I'm sure that's what happened next. Yeah. And all I remember is the fear of breaking the rules, which I'm still <laughs> afraid of. My friends uh, that have been married for a long time have uh, have make out night once a month. <laughs> And I'm like, like, man, that is the key right well, there. Although I'm also picturing reluctant makeout night. <laughs> oh, is it makeout night? Oh, hold on. I, I got to go brush my teeth. Yeah, all right. Get some yeah. wash. <laughs> Did you do laundry? <laughs> uh, where's the toothpaste? All right, let's do this. Uh, let's wow. start making out. <laughs> I see my wife rolling her eyes at that idea. Yeah. So hard. Oh, for sure. Emily and I are both like, really? <laughs> I mean, it's very sweet, but yeah. not for us. Because, you know, the spontaneity is... Yeah. Yeah. You kill that and... I'm like, yeah, almost like kissing is more work than anything else. <laughs> like, pay attention. Um, number four, I tailor to the guest, and I haven't thought of one for you. So I'm going to say, um, what comedic performance, movie comedic performance, do you most wish that you, you could, it could have been you? Ooh, boy, that is a a good question. And unfair. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever thought that way in terms of like, I want to be that. Because I have a, a healthy to unhealthy mindset that like, I can do it better. Mm -hmm. So I'm more that like, I'm jealous of that platform. Mm hmm. Um, that kind of performance, but I've never been like, I want to be that. Well, I mean, it could I will be something say, you think you could have improved on. Like, oh man, I wish I would have loved to have been Willy Wonka. Well, I think what I will say, this is 
this is popped into my head, so I'm going to go with it, uh, which is Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. It's one of my favorite movies. Tony Hale, uh, we talked about that in, on the show. Yeah. That was his pick. That, uh, that was actually the first movie I thought of uh, when, when you brought up me doing this. Uh, bec- and it's Adam Sandler, mm-hmm. which obviously this is not a typical Adam Sandler movie. That movie of just, res- it's all about restraint. It's like so, all of that rage and like judgment and and not being able to express himself and mm-hmm. being shit on. It's like the opposite of me, mm-hmm. of just like all of that building up and the like, not the displaced rage in a character that is so funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, that's the kind of performance that that excites me so much because I know it's sort of the opposite of me if left to my own devices is is less is more yeah like let it's more important for an actor to experience a thing than to show an audience like what you're trying to communicate right and in that movie just watching that boil to see it's an it's a personal thing that's happening within him Mm -hmm. uh i'm like oh that kind of performance i am drawn to and i'm so jealous that i uh that that's not the career i have that i don't get to do that kind of uh acting I get I get hired to be a funny improviser, right? Uh, and and but it's also this mix of like the absurdity and the style, how stylized and funny it is at the same time. Yeah, that's how I want audiences to feel. Mm-hmm. I want them to care very deeply about what's going on, to not feel manipulated, mm-hmm. and then to be surprised that they're laughing. Dude, that's great. Did you just make that up? Yep, that's what I do. <laughs> And finally, I say things to see if they sound right. <laughs> um, finally, movie going one on one. What's your uh, what's your jam at the movies? Where do you sit? What do you eat? What do you do? I sit as far away from other people as possible. And if I remember correctly, Beth said, "I just defer to Peter because he's just <laughs> crazy about that stuff." Because <laughs> boy, she doesn't care, and I do. Uh, but although now I would walk to a theater, I was about to lie. I was going to say, and just wonder where she wants to sit. But that's not true. I'd already sit down, and then I'd be like, oh, I should have asked. I would always go far back, uh-huh. near the middle. But now, because I don't want to risk being close to people, I've started going aisle. Oh, okay. Because uh, no one's going to sit there. Yeah. And I can get to the bathroom quick. Right. And I'm like, don't be so precious about your view. You're going to stop thinking about it in two seconds. Yeah. And that, that aisle angle isn't so bad if you're, yeah. you know, back far enough. Yeah. And I do no drinks because the second I get in there, I'm like, do I have to pee? Yeah. I, and if I have a sip of anything, I'm like, I have to pee. Yeah. I got to pee. <laughs> it's all a mind game. So no drinks, no food. I had no food, no nothing. Okay. I'm there to see the movie. Awesome. I love it. All right. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. All right, folks, that was a good one. I say that at the end of every one of these because that's the truth. I feel like these all go great. And I had one stinker in them. It's always good to have a one-on-one conversation with another human being and just put those phones down for an hour and a half or so and chat with a friend. And that's what we did. And it was fun to talk to Peter about life and his uh, parenting show, We Knows Parenting, and his kids and, and Beth and just 
uh, all the fun that they have. You can support Peter by listening to We Knows Parenting, subscribing. Uh, you, you should, if you live in New York City, do yourself a favor on Saturday nights and go see Trike, his two-man improv comedy team, perform. They've been doing it for years, and man, it is good. You think a two-person improv team is uh, is tough, and uh, those guys make it seem easy. And it's it's been going on for a long time, and it's been getting great reviews. It's one of the best improv shows in New York City. So go support Trike. Uh, also support the Story Pirates podcast that he does uh, for another network even, everyone. We're, we're promoting our competition because that's what we do here, because all boats rise. So check out Story Pirates. It's a lot of fun. We talked about that on this episode. And uh, just support what Peter does. Look for him on a commercial near you. He's all over the place on that television, everyone. Once you notice him, you're like, wait a minute. That's that McNerney guy. And he's selling uh, he's selling ads for, for cars or sandwiches or insurance or whatever. I don't know what Peter's been in lately. But we had a lot of fun. It was fun talking about Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Such a great movie. If you haven't seen it, check it out. I know you're going to like it. So uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. And until then, remember, never put a bra in a dryer. It warps. Movie Crush is produced, engineered, edited, and soundtracked by Noel Brown and Ramsey Yunt at HowStuffWorks Studios, Pont City Market, Atlanta, Georgia. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.